Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Unruffled ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Strained peas and carrots, chicken fingers, or mac and cheese, they're convenient for your kids and yummy, I'm sure. But at the end of a hectic day, you deserve to reward yourself with something delicious and nutritious. I know you're thinking, lovely idea, but who has the time or energy to cook? I get that. With Factor, that's F-A-C-T-O-R, you get restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. No prep, no cooking, and no cleanup. Always fresh, never frozen. There are over 35 options each week to choose from, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, and more. They even have smoothies, wellness shots, and nutritious snacks. Plus, Factor meals are less expensive than takeout. So sign up, save, and treat yourself to the fine cuisine you deserve. Head to factormeals.com slash unruffled50 and use code unruffled50 to get 50% off. That's code unruffled50 at factormeals.com slash unruffled50 to get 50% off. Bon appetit. Like a lot of people, I grew up loving music from classic Disney films. In fact, my sisters and I used to perform plays for the neighborhood that were basically just us lip-syncing to Disney movie soundtracks. And when I was raising my own kids, I found that music could be a wonderful cure for afternoon doldrums, interactive entertainment for car rides, or whenever I had work to do. One of my kids even learned to read from following along on songbooks. When the music was on, I'd usually find myself dancing away, singing along, and sometimes we'd all break into a goofy, impromptu dance party. Disney Junior Hits is the official music playlist for songs from your favorite Disney Junior shows, and now it's easier than ever to access them. Just search for Disney Junior Hits, available wherever you stream your music. Hi, this is Janet Lansbury. Welcome to Unruffled. Today I'm going to be answering a question from a parent who really has her hands full. She's got three kids, four and a half, two, and three months. She describes the two-year-old as nonverbal, and she's wondering how to sportscast disagreements between him and his older brother without making false assumptions about what he's thinking. And I'm going to take this question further into a longer description about sportscasting, what it is and how it helps with sibling and peer struggles. Okay, here's the email that I received. Hi, Janet. Thank you. Your podcast has helped me to stay calm in some situations I know I wouldn't have before. I've noticed that my two boys usually solve their problems faster and better without my intervention. Awesome. What I'm hoping you'll do a podcast on sometime is conflict resolution for nonverbal children. Out of my three kids, ages four and a half, two, and three months, only one is really verbal, and he didn't even start until he was over two and a half years old. I try to sportscast disagreements between the older two, but it's hard when I don't really know what the two-year-old is thinking. I'm hoping you can give some tips because I'm sure I'll experience similar struggles with the baby once she starts interacting more with her brothers. Thanks. Okay, I'm really happy to hear this podcast has helped this parent stay calm and also that she's noticing how her two boys can solve their problems without her intervention. Yes, that is awesome. It's really wonderful. Actually, children do this better without our intervention most of the time because 
They feel freer to problem solve when, when they don't sense that we're bringing in our own judgments and agendas. And this is also helpful to them in the bigger picture with building confidence in themselves in regard to social engagement and conflict resolution, because our interventions can unwittingly train them to believe that they're dependent on us, that they can't do it themselves. Because we, as their influential leaders, are showing them through our responses that we don't quite believe that they can do this. Helping sounds so wonderful, but it can sometimes give a child a message. You can't do this. You need me to do this for you, or you need me to make this work for you. Children build more confidence in themselves and their abilities to resolve social conflicts when they're able to experience and feel from us, get that message from us that we believe they can do it. So whether these are siblings or peers, To foster a feeling in children of being more capable and also allowing them to learn more through their practice, 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 will want to try to intervene in the most minimal way so that they can do the maximum, that they can do safely. This parent also makes a comment about her child being nonverbal. What she means, I believe, is that he does not have expressive language yet. However, he almost certainly does have receptive language because children begin learning receptive language from birth, even in the womb. They're hearing us speak words to them and to others, and they start to comprehend and internalize language from the beginning. So he likely does have a lot of language. He's just not speaking yet. With that in mind, what is sportscasting and how do we do this with children that are actually not speaking words? Sportscasting is actually just supporting children in their struggles of any kind. This can be with one child on their own, with an object or a project that they're working on. And all it really is, is acknowledging. Acknowledging what we see because we sense that our child would appreciate some clarification or it could help to give them a little interpretation or show our attention, that we're paying attention, and we're supporting them in that moment. Sportscasting, this was Magda Gerber's term, and I realize it's maybe not quite as accurate a term as it could be, because sportscasting sounds like we're giving this running dialogue of what's happening, as sportscasters do during games. And that is not the intention at all. It's not and now so-and-so is doing this, and now they're doing that, because that would be too interruptive for children and way too tiring and unnatural feeling for us. It's not supposed to feel unnatural. Instead, sportscasting is only recommended when we sense that acknowledging the situation would help a child. And then it really is just about the facts. It's actually not about us trying to decide what someone's intention is or what they're feeling or what they're thinking. It's only what we know for sure that we reflect back to the children. That means even with the child who is speaking or otherwise communicating, we wouldn't decide what they're thinking or what they want. We really don't know. All we know, for example, is that you both seem to want this toy. So I wouldn't even make comments like, 
he's still using this or he wanted to use this longer because we actually don't really know that for sure. And why does it matter that we're so precise in this? It matters because the whole point of sports casting is not just to give children language and a better understanding of the situation and to help them feel heard and understood, but it is also for us to remind ourselves not to project and instead to really try to be observant and try to see from the children's perspective rather than with our adult lens. Projection is something that we all do, especially with children, and most especially with children who do not have expressive language yet. I think it's wonderful that this parent wants to be careful about that. I would be careful about it with any child because it's really hard not to do. It's such an inclination that most of us have to see it as, he took that from you and you're sad. Instead of, it seems like you're saying, no, I don't like that. A lot of times, because we as parents care so much and we tend to worry, our projections will often tend to be our worst fear or the worst case scenario, which causes us to take the whole thing up a notch from even where our child is a lot of the time. He's really sad and he needed that and you got that. Innately for children, these kinds of struggles, they're often a lot more interesting than negative or to be avoided. They're actually very interesting. What happens when I do this? Wow. Hey, he got that. I think I want that too. Looks interesting in his hands. They're very in the moment. And while they often do go through developmental stages where they want to hold on to control of their environment and react more strongly to any kind of loss of that control. For example, from the latter part of the first year to 15 months or so, children commonly experience that separation anxiety. If the parent leaves the room and they react strongly to surprises of any kind. But generally, children don't have preconceived ideas of what's right or what's fair. And this open-mindedness that they have, this beginner's mind, this is why they're so able to learn about their world and conflict resolution. They don't have these ideas that we might have that actually narrow our perceptions of situations. We make quicker judgments about them as adults. So it's marvelous, this openness that children have. They can see all the possibilities, and they're coming from this place of not deciding that this other person is being mean or bad or stingy or grabby or anything like that. They're fluid, open learners with each other. So with this approach, much of our role is restraint. Sportscasting responsibly with just the facts and doing it minimally. We don't need to talk as much as we might think. And we don't want to draw our children's attention to us. We want them to stay in the situation that they're learning in. So we can wait until a child looks puzzled or looks toward us as if asking for a response, or it appears as if they need some support in what's happening. And if those things don't happen, I would just be there and be present. You two both want this. It's hard when you're both holding on to this at the same time. Allowing them to have the struggle. Allowing it even to be a loud, scary-looking struggle, but no one is getting hurt. We're not going to allow that. 
when we are able to be there, we would be there to stop hands from grabbing each other and block hitting or pushing or touching each other's bodies so they can both hold on to the object, if that's what this is about, but not touch each other's bodies, not try to grab the other's hand and pull it off the object. And then if this is an object that we don't feel safe about, maybe it's something heavy, a truck, or something that we're not sure could hurt one of the children, we can say, hmm, you know, I can't let you struggle over this. This doesn't seem safe. I'm going to need to take this for now. That's okay to do as well. We need to make those kinds of judgment calls as the adults in the room. But beyond safety, I would aim to give them free reign to struggle. Because that's what allows them to experience and learn and master conflict resolution. Now, in terms of being pre-verbal regarding expressive language, I would understand that another positive to sportscasting is reinforcing those words for children and modeling speaking those words. Maybe encouraging a little bit. Again, it has to be from a neutral place, but encouraging the expressive language in the situation. When we see something physical, let's say the older child has something and the younger child wants it, he's grabbing it, the older child's getting angry, the younger child now wants to bite. With siblings especially, these things are going to happen when we're not there. And after the fact, the challenge is even greater to let it go while blocking it, of course, from happening again and not overreact to who we perceive as the victim, confirming to that child that we perceive them as a victim, and to the other child that we see them as a villain. Children read that from us if we're fawning over or pitying the victim, who very likely played a part in the conflict that we didn't see. I mean, children do that, especially siblings. They are masters of each other. They know that other person very, very well maybe even better than we know our children. So I would try not to take sides, even after the fact. I know it's hard because of the messaging that gives to both the children. But hey, it's going to happen that we do fall into that. Perfectly normal. So if you're aiming for a neutral coaching versus refereeing approach, please give yourself a break. This is a big challenge. For me, it's been an interesting challenge. What we can do in the moment, stopping that child from biting, we can acknowledge sportscast. That makes you want to bite. You're trying to get that. And then reiterate in just a brief few words, I can't let you bite. Meanwhile, your hand is was already there. You're holding his shoulder back from his brother, maybe, so that he can't bite. You're making that impossible. And that's where you can say, looks like you're telling him, no, I want that. Even there, where we're maybe a little bit trying to read what's going on and maybe we're not going to be totally accurate, I would say, looks like you're, or seems like you're saying, or do you want to tell him? Not expecting that that child is going to suddenly start speaking and say it right there or do it right there, but just reinforcing that language to remind them and model for them that there is language for what they're feeling and doing. And that's it. The hardest part is letting the children engage in the conflicts because it is. It's going to look gnarly sometimes, particularly for those of us like me who tend to shy away from conflicts generally and others who it's even harder because maybe they get emotionally triggered by them. If it's that older child that seems to be the instigator or aggressor, they're going to seem really mean 
And maybe for some people, it's the younger child that just seems really, really aggressive and at fault. It may be that one child has a more dominant personality. Still, both children flourish and learn best when they feel like we're on their side, that we're their coaches, we're not their referees. We love them both, and both of them have a valid point of view in any situation. That's basically what sportscasting is. It's coming from that challenging but hugely respectful, trusting, affirming, and unconditionally loving place in ourselves. I think this parent will continue to see these wonderful results that she's getting, and I really hope this extra bit of feedback helps. Please check out some of my other podcasts. They're on my website, JanetLansbury.com. They're all indexed by subject and categories, so you should be able to find whatever topic you might be interested in. And both of my books are available in paperback at Amazon. That's Elevating Childcare, A Guide to Respectful Parenting, and No Bad Kids, Toddler Discipline Without Shame. You can get them in ebook at Amazon or Apple, Google Play or barnesandnoble.com, and in audio at audible.com. And you can get a free audio copy of either book at Audible by following the link in the liner notes of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We can do this. If you like Unruffled, you can listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15 discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex.com.